This week on Evasion of the Podcast, Marvel flashes its Peter. Is keeping creative properties alive a good idea? And we're going to need a bigger party boat. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? Hey, welcome to the Invasion of the Podcast. Uh, Cleveland today, tomorrow, who knows? I am uh, Paul Stebbin, and to my left, as always, is the wonderful Joe Peters. Hello. And uh, we have a lot of good stuff to talk about today. I mean, I, I say that every time as if we have some really We would bad never stuff. have bad stuff to talk about. It's like, I, I don't know. I just found this list on the floor. We're just going to talk about that. Yeah. It's like, gonna... if you want bad stuff to talk about, just listen to the regular news. News team, assemble! And we mentioned news, and then news, we have news. News, Um uh, do you, I don't know. Do you want to start with the... The, the big the, one. The big one? All yeah. right. So the big one, and this kind of goes in with like the intro before uh, our theme song is... Yeah, Marvel, Marvel Flash, it's Peter. Marvel revealed finally uh, who they're going to have play Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man. I read a different article then. That's <laughs> <laughs> it pops. Um, Tom Holland, who is a 19-year-old actor. Uh, I, I know he's, he's British, um, which, you know, I mean, goes right on the, you know, the... I think Andrew Garfield was British too, so a lot of British superheroes. Um, but I don't know any big movies he was in. I want to say The Impossible and In the Heart of the Sea. I've never seen those, but that was pretty much his biggest um, uh, attachment as far as like like big movies. I couldn't look up anything, and I was just like, oh yeah. Well, I mean, I've being nineteen, movie. I mean, like how much clout? I mean, it's not like. I don't know. It's not like it's like um, having like Jennifer Lawrence or oh, what's her face, uh, Hit Girl, like you know that had like that strong showing when they're really young to where right. like a command presence. And then they announced too that John Watts is going to direct um, the standalone Spider-Man film when Sony and Marvel get around to co-producing that. Yeah, which I don't know. Like that seems like I know that they're again. I guess this goes the same with the actor where Marvel. I'll give Marvel credit. Like they're smart and picking talent that's up and coming generally. So that way, you know, one you could get them into a contract that's more favorable to themselves, and and, and two, it's like you, you know, it, you especially with the directors, it's like you don't always have to give them. Like you can. I don't want to say hold their hand, but. Like this guy, he directed like a one movie that did well at like some festivals. So it's like he, yeah. this is his big coming out in terms of like being like big budget movie director. Well, um, Kevin Feige said, you know, they love like, um, you know, finding these these directors like uh, like James Gunn, Joss Whedon, and the Russo brothers, and like new voices to bring to the character. And I'm like. I'm like this 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 John Watts guy. He didn't really do as much as those three that's directors. That's true. I mean, like, like I'm like, yeah, I, I was like, what kind of? That's not a very great statement, Kevin. So, I mean, I, I, we'll I guess see. it's the same thing as like getting Josh Trank to do Fantastic Four. Like that felt a little. At least he did a superhero movie before that, though. Right, and I mean, I'm not trying to like you know scrutinize John Watts' resume for directing a Spider-Man movie, but I mean, I it, it's 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 um it's a large shoes to fill. 
It is. And there's a lot of expectation because Sony has a lot riding on it. I mean, Marvel does too, but the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has a lot riding on that movie sticking its landing. Mm-hmm. So, I, again, I, I, this will tie into something that we're going to talk about a little later. I don't think Marvel's going to let, um, let one of their, their, their flagship um, like be a bad product. Now no. that they actually have some more like, say in it. I'm really hoping they, they kind of get in there and they do a lot more uh, production with a lot of the, either, either like the current or previous Spider-Man writers, you know, like Mark Brian Michael Bendis and Dan Slott, um, or going back to even Straczynski, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I um, just, I don't know. I'm 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 sure the Spider-Man and the stuff that, that Marvel slash Disney is actually doing will be fine mm-hmm. i just until sony shows me otherwise i want to be apprehensive no i'm that's, i'm that's, i tell i can't remember if i was telling you or i was telling one of my friends i'm like i keep everything at arm's length and i try not to jump up and down like a little kid until i've seen it um because like one of my buddies uh not to get off topic he's he's up in arms about the ghostbusters movie and i'm like well i'm gonna wait i'm not gonna say good things or bad things about it i am you know excited of course but you know i'm not gonna like totally dismiss it because it's not the original ghostbusters so yeah i mean that's same true. thing I mean, with it's... this spider-man thing i'm not like people know i'm a big spider-man fan and they're like they're like oh what do you think of this or this person's playing this guy or who do you want to play spider-man and i'm like well i don't really have a pick but like i'm gonna wait and see what they do with it yeah so so uh, we'll see um uh, I, had, oh. I, I had a thought and i just lost it so go ahead well, please uh... save me save me <laughs> Save me, Peter uh, Parker. Yeah, Save yeah. me. Everybody gets one. Oh, so, that was what it was going to be. It was about, about Spider-Man himself, like in uh, the comics. That was going to be like Yeah, comic Spider-Man, they, they kind of followed it up with more Spider-Man news. Um, you know, they announced the MCU stuff with him. But not only do we have a new Spider-Man in the movies, but we have a new Spider-Man in the comics, too. Kind of. Um, they, uh, Marvel announced in the comics Miles Morales is going to take the mantle of Spider-Man, the lead Spider-Man, in the publications. Yeah, he's meaning, no longer second chair Spider-Man. Yeah, he's, he's, he's taking first chair. After Secret Wars is over, Miles is going to be the, the front runner for the Spider-Man publication. Peter Parker's still going to be there uh, kind of as a mentor role, um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, well, the, the big deal, though, and if, if people aren't familiar with um, the comic book side of things, that Miles Morales is, he is, um, he's half African-American and is it... Um, he's half hip, uh, black Hispanic. Hispanic, okay, that's what, yeah. So, yeah. like, it's... It, not that like I I'm fine with it. I mean like just any, as long as it's it's well written and interesting stories. I mean you know it doesn't. I, and I trust Bendis, Michael Brian Michael Bendis, Cleveland native. Like he has done nothing but good things with Spider Man. So I have I have like utmost faith. And, I, and the stuff I've read with Miles, it's still that same like fun adventure, but also. This kid has like the the deck stacked against him, and he has problems. So it's like which is the core it's just of a modern update yeah. of like what that is, and, yeah. and and I appreciate that. I just think that uh, like people, and and this is something that I like. I know we're going to dig into another point. People get a little antsy when when your heroes change shape. Yeah, you know? well, and, that's like, yeah. We talked about this a little bit when we first were talking about like, do you want to do Miles Morales in the news? Blah blah blah. And then we kind of like I I don't know. I kind of went on a little bit of a tear about like because this is something that I'm passionate about it's just you know how marvel's doing a lot of stuff with their characters not i'm not passionate about it negatively but it's just very interesting to me and in, in how they're doing it and handling it but um yeah miles is uh and bendis is writing spider-man with miles coming forward through the fall so that's good you know he created it and it's his baby and he's going to keep it going they're not just handing it off to another writer yeah so i the the, the, the last thing about spider-man i'll say other than him being the greatest thing ever for people that are kind of on the fence about diving into comics and being like, there's so much out there. I don't know where to get started. 
my recommendation just from a pure the pure essence of spider-man and it's a really good read it's well done is go pick up just the original like um, uh, ultimate spider-man because you get all the beats you get a lot of the characters it's a little different in terms of like what people have known for years and years and years but bendis like gets it down to its absolute core Mm -hmm. and it's really fun and it's easy to get into and it will have you laughing out loud and it's just a really good book and you don't have to read that and it's not in terms of it being tied into everything else because it really isn't for the most part and it's just a lot of fun yeah paul's right i mean you don't have to worry if you read it you don't have to worry about it being any type of like continuity things but if you want to experience like the character i think that's a great jumping point and i say that because like i read spider-man a lot when i was a kid and i remember when you introduced it to me and I was kind of like apprehensive about it because I'm just like, ah, I don't really know if I want to read another Spider-Man in high school type story. And it's probably one of my favorite Spider-Man series out there that Bendis did started with Ultimate Spider-Man. So, yeah. So we got um, a movie Spider-Man and a comic Spider-Man. So I don't know how many more Spider-Mans they're coming out with. But if there are any more, we will talk about them here on the show. Oh, well, they got tons of Spider-Women, but that's the, another uh, topic. Spider-Persons. Any more Spider-Persons that are coming? We'll, we'll talk about them. Yeah. Um, uh, next bit, uh, I, I know everybody that have, if they've been near the internet, um, James Horner, uh, composer, uh, passed away, uh, was lost in a plane crash, um, like just what, not even a day ago. Uh, the reason was I the mentioned plane, this, the plane lost or, uh, he, I think he crashed the plane. He was flying it. If I remember correctly, which I don't know why there's this obsession with, uh, people flying small planes that are, you know, high value to entertainment. I just, I, you know. I don't. I don't know. I guess it's freeing, and if you, if I could afford a pilot's license, I'd probably fly too. You know, so or if I could afford a plane. I, anyway, so I wanted to bring this up just because it was important to me. I don't normally always think of scoring with movies, though. I will say that um, I do own a, a handful of like Hans Zimmer scores, like the Inception score. I can listen to over and over again. Ennio um, uh, Morricone, like the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the Thing are really good soundtracks. But Horner did so much. But I'm going to test Joe right now and see if he could pick out the ones I have. So I'm going to play a brief little bits. You could see, I'm not going to give you options. Just go see if you know what these movies are. So okay. in, in honor of this all. I know. Art. Now I'm going to probably get embarrassed because I'm like, I don't know what that is. It's like movies. I don't know what those are. So here's the first one. This one's going to probably be the toughest one. Well, maybe. So here we go. It's a superhero movie. That's probably give it away. It's Amazing Spider-Man. N- no, actually. It's going to cut out now, so I don't know. The Rocketeer. Like, oh, you know what? I, that wasn't even on my superhero radar. I know. I know I, it is. It is a superhero movie. Yeah. So you know, it's funny. Speaking of the Rocketeer, where where did we see the Rocketeer? We saw the Rocketeer somewhere like a week or two ago. My girlfriend was like, "What's that?" And it was like it's, it's, it was on Netflix. I don't know if it got pulled or not, but it, I know. It's I think been it, I think that's yeah. what it was. We were scrolling through Netflix. She's like, "What's the Rocketeer?" I'm like, "Ah, it's kind of like a superhero movie." Like, well, like, yeah. I mean, it was, what's his name directed that and directed Captain America. That's how he got Captain America is because of the Rocketeer. Oh, really? He, he, he um, uh, uh, Joe Johnston. That's not it. Uh, but yeah, because like, he could do like pulp like superheroes. Yeah. So. But that's yeah, that's a good example. Like. First Avenger was uh, very rocketeery. Now so that I think about it, the second one uh, you may not get, but it's very iconic. So here we go. Aliens. No. Oh. Wait. From Hell's Heart, I stab at thee. 
Ricardo Montalban. It was really? Wrath, it was Wrath of Khan. That was Wrath yeah, of Khan. Yeah, yeah. Wrath of like I, I know you're not a big Star Trek fan, but it's freaking Wrath of Khan. Like, just go back and watch that movie. Again. I like Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan's awesome, but the, that soundtrack is amazing. Except for when they put that that thing in the their ears. I, yeah, that's I can't creepy. Watch that part. So then, <laughs> here, here's the last one. Oh, this is aliens. Yeah, it's this aliens. is. <laughs> I know this because this is the part where they're rolling up on the. Uh, they're in the like tank thing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's the it, aliens is like my favorite movie of all time. So I was just like, I had to take a moment and just you can just think about that. Like he works so much with Cameron. Like you know, th- he won Oscars for Titanic, doing the, I mean the scoring he won, but then also he also helped write uh, "My Heart Will Go On" mm-hmm. and that song. As, as whether you hate it or love it, you know it. You know, and uh, and he did like the scoring for Avatar. Like he's done so many movies, and yeah, I just think that a lot of the stuff that's just. Yeah, it's a shame that he's gone. And he had like, you know, he was in his sixties, early sixties. So 61. he still had a lot of sixty one. Yeah, a lot of time there. So um anyway, uh you know he will be missed, but just appreciate the you know what he's done and just I don't like if you guys don't listen to film scores, like give him a chance. Like I really enjoy digging it. Like the higher train your dragon soundtrack scores are so good. And I don't know. I just kinda I don't know. Do you have any soundtracks or anything? I don't have any, but I do have some Pandora stations just to movie soundtracks. Okay. And it'll fire up like it fires up like James Warner, like uh, uh, Braveheart. A lot of the Braveheart stuff. I mean, I love that. Um, what else did he do? Oh, just, I mean, he did, he did a lot. So, um, <laughs> And he did do, I think he did do The Amazing Spider-Man. I think that yeah, was also did. his as well. So, he did. Um, yeah, gone too soon, and he will be, will be missed in terms of just like, because he colored, he colored a lot of what I love, you know, and, and he could be, I guess he could be blamed for uh, that whole military um like type of driven sound that kind of ended up like painting action movies for like the next six, seven years after aliens. But you know, if it's good, then, you know, people are imitating you, then you, you hit something right. So, yeah. And I think like, um, movie scores are, are, I don't think people realize how impactful they are to the movie Mm -hmm. sometimes. I mean, I know some people do, but like, um, it's it, it, when it's gone and especially if it's like a nostalgic property, like, uh, I always tell people about like star Wars, um, the Clone Wars TV series, which is really, really good, um, they don't have a Star Wars John Williams opening, hmm. and it's it weirds me out it, well, because it, it does the whole like scrolling, and, and then the Star Wars comes and beams right into the screen, and there's and it's a completely different um, hmm. score. So it makes me wonder if they'll end up doing that with Rogue One to kind of separate it from the, the, uh, the other movies. But. It might, and I really don't think because well, Clone Wars probably wasn't under the disney umbrella at the time that they could use it i don't know what the the rights are but like that thing and like you know last week we talked about jurassic world and i was gonna bring that up like that john williams yeah score at the beginning just it just punches you in the gut and you're like i remember all these things and i love them like those type of sounds like not to say that like all these composers come back and play their old stuff but it's like stuff like that that these guys do kind of like sets a stage for a scene like if they had no music in that opening scene in Jurassic Park where you see the brachiosaur you'd just be like eh. well they, they used the John Williams score like the theme but I know he wasn't the one that did it for the Jurassic World it was um, whoever's done the last two Star Trek films I forget the guy's name on top of my head but okay. it's like he was able to weave it in and out and make that really work and it's just so I mean not to, to go off topic yeah. I guess but it's just I would like to at some point maybe like present some scores that I enjoy and try to explain like why I like them and why they shape the no, movies yeah, the way they are. Yeah, definitely. If you yeah. if you're a fan of movie scores or you want to hear 
us talk about movie scores, let us know on the Facebook or the Twitter, and, or email us. That's cool. Nobody emails us. Like yeah. we sit by the email inbox waiting for an email and it's true like we even signed up for aol just so it could tell us it has mail and there's no mail there's no mail uh so like no um (laughs) facebook page is invasion of the uh, invasion of the the podcast no invasion of the podcast um uh twitter is um, at invading podcast yeah and twitter um the gmail is invading podcast mm -hmm. at uh at gmail so and um also on a side note you know uh not to kind of be outdone i know we didn't did we bring up Christopher Lee last week. You know, I we we were I, talking about it and we and I think that's interesting because I was I was going to look it up to see if there was uh, any Horner films that he was in and I'm sure there had to have been because I mean just in terms of like connections of like icons lost right and we we didn't mention that last week and that's that's a failure on our part because again uh, we want to remember those that things that we loved and yeah. why we love them and yeah. um I posted something on Facebook about it when he passed uh you know he I mean if anybody could be dracula in real life it would have been him um he'd played dracula like what nine times something like nine ten times and then of course everybody knows him as uh saruman and count dooku uh yeah a lot of voiceovers and also Um, didn't he make heavy metal albums too he did he little known fact he has a metal band and i mean youtube it I'm st- I'm sure they're still there. You know, it's not you like you think they... Ian McKellen's going to step in and take over now. He just... should. <laughs> totally should. Be like... Just kind of changed up a little bit. <laughs> Saruman, the White's metal band. Now it's Gandalf, the White's metal band. Yeah. Um, and now they just think power pop. They just <laughs> changed it. It's like I've reclaimed it. Yeah. That's no accent. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, you know, my, one of my favorite Christopher Lee uh, roles was the um, the scientist in Gremlins too. That's right. I forgot With the twins. Like, oh yeah. yes, yes. That was. Uh, Oh man, Where he's talking yeah. to the way I could give you diseases. <laughs> it's like uh, he must be a hit with the ladies. <laughs> he was the consummate professional, like just just uh, you know an actor's actor. You you knew him iconic, and I, even you know as he he aged, it's like he still found a way to transcend. And um, it, there's not going to be too many that are able to do that. And also, just thinking about it from a historical standpoint of like of when he started making movies just from where the industry was at that time in terms of like, I mean, you know, he was Dracula. Yeah. But it's like, and that was popular, but that wasn't high art. And that was, and so there, like, yeah. there's a separation there between people that do serious films and people that would do horror films. Right. And he was able to still kind of like weave it and out of that, you yeah. know, and, and, and Pe- not everybody can do that. I think some people take, take some of the cinema and roles for granted nowadays and don't look back like, yeah, you, you know, if you played a movie monster, it was just kind of like, Oh, you're, yeah, that's the kind of work you could find. Yeah, you're playing Dracula, you're playing Frankenstein. But um and like nowadays like, you know, somebody picks up any role like, "Oh, you're playing a cartoon character that gets mad and turns green." Yeah, it is like you, know? you it's almost an expectation. It's like, "Well, what franchise are you carrying right now?" And right. it's like and that used to be like a death sentence. So like that's why you couldn't get marquee actors to do things cuz they would always be known as that guy. So But yeah, somewhere it, up in heaven him and uh, he, he's Vincent. now he's now taken over the throne. He's punched God <laughs> in the face and he's like it's my it's my place now. And it's just <laughs> Him like, and uh, yeah. Vincent Price are having a very cool conversation. Yes. <laughs> and their waxing mustaches. Yes. I, I don't know. Um, so uh, last bit of news I wanted to mention real briefly. Um, there was a story I read about, there, and I have to find it so we can link it on the Facebook page, but there's a lady in Australia here in three days who is claiming to do a live streaming event of time travel. Like she put out a, um, a note out, you know, out to the ether saying, I'm looking for a partner. Uh, to do this with so it's going to be her and another person and supposedly she won't go on the specifics but she's supposed to be doing time travel in three days so unless that time travel is like now we're time traveling five minutes from now we'll be five minutes in the future 
I don't know like what what she's going to accomplish. Are they? I could just see her like like sitting on a chair and putting that uh, that thing in between her legs like Uncle Rico. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want to imagine that like you just hear the quantum leap sound and then it's like oh I I oh, went there no. you guys didn't even notice you know so. Um, I, I wanted to mention that just because, I mean, if it works, then that would be amazing. But if it, if it worked, I'm pretty sure we would have known about it by now. She's probably jumping ahead to go see Terminator Genesis. That's you why I wanted that. to bring it up because I think it'd be funny that it's like, I think Fox should have called and said, Hey, could you wait a week? You know? And it's like, how about I just jump ahead a week? Yeah. That's probably <laughs> what she said. And they're like, uh, I sure, you know? So, um, but yeah, like that's, I'll find that story. We'll link it. Um, I just, I thought it was just entertaining that this is actually a time travel event that's supposedly getting a lot of attention. And I just, you know, if something happens, the best, I, yeah, <laughs> the best part. And I think I said this to you, like, I'm like, this is probably some like crazy doctor who fan is, is she picked out a companion. She has a companion to time travel with. And I'm yes. like, really? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess, I and mean, they went through a whole vetting process, which is like... Is that in uh, case, like, she time travels too much and then she loses her humanity? If so. she hacks time too far, is yeah. what happens. <laughs> if she puts on a power glove, I'm turning it off. I know, I would watch that. I would watch the rest of that. So, um, yeah, we'll find that story, and um, that'll do it for news. And now on to this. And now for our feature presentation... So I mentioned news. So here, here's it's kind of a news thing, but leads into what our topic is uh, today. I, I was reading that um, the daughter of Terry Pratchett made an announcement that um, Terry Pratchett, who had uh, passed away too soon as well, uh, he um, succumbed to Alzheimer's, um, which is a shame because the, I mean, it's a shame for anybody to have that, but for someone who was such an established and beloved writer, who he wrote a lot of fantasy, but it was always like kind of tongue in cheek fantasy, mm-hmm. and it was like I was, I was telling telling Mary, I was like. If there was ever a guy that was not a python, but probably could have been a python, it would have been Terry Pratchett because he would have fit right in with that kind of, <laughs> kind of weird, goofy, like you know, world building and just just that like honest sense of humor. But it was always from this good spot, and um, he was the creator of Discworld. Correct? Yeah, Discworld, and then um, one of my favorite books of all time is a book called Good Omens that he co-wrote with um, Neil Gaiman, which okay. is the the greatest, funniest book about the apocalypse that will ever be written, <laughs> and I. Every time I've had a copy of that book, I've lent it out, and it's never come back because they've kept it. So that's a I, good book. It's a good book. Yeah, and it's, it's it's just I I laugh out loud reading it. Like I lol uh, so much. But and I read some Discworld. It was just entertaining as well. Uh, the reason I mentioned it, aside from the fact that we're we're sorry that he's gone, um, is that the daughter saying that you know we they, basically they have his you know they have the right to to do what they want with the Terry Pratchett name and, and his collection and they said well after the the next two books that come out which they were already in the process of being completed um they're they're done no more pratchett books no more discworld and i was i i posed this to joe that um there's this this notion of like um, cuz they could have easily hired a ghostwriter or other people that love pratchett's work that are established writers that have written like you know like silly lighthearted fantasy probably because they're inspired by Pratchett himself and they could have just kept this thing going and just like it's a license to print money but they said no so I I posed this to Joe of like um we we, I said is there any other properties out there or like what that conversation of like um creative like so this person's gone but the the property's still there like um you know is it a good thing to put the brakes on it or or to go on and um, so I kind of posed it to him, and I think we kicked around a couple of different instances of this, and I think it does raise some interesting questions. Um, yeah, the uh, – oh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> uh, um, 
we were talking. Well, one of the things we mentioned was um, Tolkien. Like after he uh, completed Lord of the Rings, he was working on a book called um, the Slimmerillion, the the Chimillionaire, something like that. That's what the, the it was supposed to be a book that was supposed to go up, release at the same time as Lord of the Rings. He never got around to finishing it. He passed away, but a lot of it was already done. But his son uh, kind of collected all his notes, which some of it was just kind of like scattered shot all over the place, and went through and tried to put together a cohesive volume that actually made sense in terms of a narrative and a story. And he even admits that he had to make some concessions to make this work in terms of a volume. And there was some pushback even at that time saying, yeah, it's Tolkien, but you know, it wasn't complete Tolkien, but somebody else's hands were involved. So we don't really feel that it's like, like it's Tolkien esque, but not true Tolkien. And it, it makes me wonder, um, cause there's been other writers that when they've passed, either their works were incomplete or other people have picked up the mantle and moved on with it. Like we were talking about Robert Jordan with his wheel of time series. Like he right. passed away before that finished, but his, his, his widow actually contacted Brant Sanderson and said, Hey, here's an outline of what he wanted to have happen. Please complete this. So with the blessing, he went on to finish the series. And I know, um, with the Dune books, like some of Frank Herbert's like children has, are like one of them had, had written additional books as well. Well, they have like a, a, it's a I don't know how to say it. It's the Sil- the Chameleonaire. Silmarillion. Silmarillion. Uh, that came, that was published in 77, and he died in what, 78? Nah, he died before Seven, it was published. He died in the 70s. Though. Yeah, but it was early 70s. Early 70s. Yeah, so the book came out after. Um, and uh, then I think they did uh, Unfinished Tales, too. I don't know well, I mean, I guess that's an appropriate title for a book. Well, yeah, but um, <laughs> um, like, and primarily, I think it was his son Christopher was the. So, with, with that being said, though, like, I guess my question though is that um, with, so you got books that people kind of like. I, I've I've admitted my initial fear when I found out Stephen King had been hit by a van, and I in his Dark Tower series was not finished at that time. I my first thought was, oh no. He's not going to finish the Dark Tower series. And my second thought was, I hope that man that hit, got hit by the van was okay. And it just like, so it made me wonder, like, who am I like to, to worry about the outcome of a project versus like the livelihood of somebody, which I mean, I guess that makes right. me a bad person, but I'm still, I, I wanted to know how the story was finished and had somebody picked it up, whether it was like Peter Straub or even, even Joe Hill, his son and, and completed it. Would I, would I feel the same or would I feel like that's being, um, honoring, that person's work. I think like we talked about, I think it depends on the fans. Like, cause there's a lot of fans that, that will get behind like a creator or an artist and, and, or a storyteller. And they, they will accept nothing but what they do. And then there's some that, you know, in a case of, of kind of like, you know, the, the, the writer passes away, kind of like Robert Jordan, um, you know, they'll take whatever, uh, books that you know that they do publish with with whatever ghostwriter or whatever writer they do have so well i mean so then so then the question then becomes like the property itself the intellectual property or the idea that this person once had that they've carried to a certain point whether they completed what they felt was done or they didn't finish it all the way and so when does it get to the point as as fans or people that enjoy this stuff that um when does it become more ownership of the expectant audience, not ownership as in we get to say what happens next, but ownership in the sense of we have a vested interest. We either want more or we want to see how it ends. Like where does that transition happen where we, we um, like hold one person in esteem, like, like Tolkien or, you know, uh, you know, Sanderson, not Sanderson, uh, Jordan Sanderson's still around. Um, 
like for that, but then you have um, like movie properties where someone like like um, the, this this is coming to kind of what we're like talking about with Star Wars with Episode Seven coming in December. This is the first movie that has no George Lucas input whatsoever. Right. But he he alone is the face of Star Wars, even though he isn't the sole person responsible for what we know of Star Wars. But you ask any single person Star Wars, they're going to tell you George Lucas. It's well, like. Well, going back to what you're saying, like, I mean, with the books, especially Wheel of Time and, and Tolkien, I mean, it. with some people, it's their family carrying on their work to keep it going because it's a, a family thing. Some of it's money and publishers, yes. Um, I think it becomes obvious when some people do that. Like, who was the one um, author that died and they kept ghostwriting? Oh, there's been a couple. Like I said, the um, big ones. The one that you... Uh, uh, V.C. Andrews. V.C. Andrews, is another yeah. one. Um, Clive Custler, I think, is another one. Like, there's... That's like you see always a Dirk Pitt novel, and it's always about that same character. But there's so many books that are written, I think, under the Clive Custler name that aren't really, you know, yeah. his. And but like going back to Star Wars, I mean, yeah, Episode Seven is going to be the first non like Lucas Star Wars. I mean, he only directed like four of them, but like this is going to be his first hands off. Like he's not there putting his little beard stamp on everything. Well, I mean, even with Empire and Jedi, it's like it was still. I mean, he trusted people to direct them, but it was mm-hmm. still his his vision, his yes or no, you know. And with and with episode seven um, and anything going forward, it, it's not his anymore. So I just I like I don't know. I think it's just an interesting discussion because we accept Star Wars because we have grown up to where I mean, pretty much like when we were born, we this this was around us. Like we've we've always known a world with Star Wars, so we there's a certain attachment to it that isn't just a creator created property it's an existent existing universe right around us so we i've never not thought of it as like something that everybody could be you know into and have input and have i don't know it just it's it's different to me i guess what i'm what i get not struggling with but it's just this notion of there's properties that people get like like let's say that i come across um like a sketchbook with just a couple words from Edgar Allan Poe. And I'm like, Oh, this was the skeleton of a Poe story. I, it's like, and I studied Poe for years and I could finish this and I tell people, well, this is a 99% Poe story with 1% Paul in there. Do you think people would take that the same way? They're like, Oh, well there's a lot there. I think, I think certain fans, it depends on the size of the fan base because some of the fans, you know, um, would totally eat that up. They would, they would be like, I haven't heard anything from Poe in a while. You know, uh, hey, what's just, he been up to lately? Yeah, just just like uh, you know, if somebody you know, we talked about Harry Potter, like J.K. Rowling yeah, fires they, up more Harry Potter stuff, or you know, whenever she's gone, and you know, people still want that whole world of Harry Potter. Yeah, let's say that J.K. Rowling um, goes into like uh, like whatever, like she goes into that, that space between the trains or whatever, ends up Hogwarts for real, and it's gone. I, I didn't, you know, I don't want to say that she dies, but let's say she goes off to wizard school for real. Um, with all her money, she could make a wizard school. I don't know. But yeah. let's say that she's gone. And then like three years from now, everyone's like, you know what? We would really like to still know what goes on in that world. And we've chosen this person, you know, um, we've, we've picked JK Simmons to carry on for, you know, JK Rowling. <laughs> I don't know why that would be, <laughs> you know, just well, whatever. But I think that would be completely acceptable, especially for that. That property, because that's kind of transcended a lot. Like, you look at look at Star Wars, and, I mean, we just talked about Star Wars and J.R.R. Tolkien's world, and those two worlds have just been completely, um, like, they're huge. 
Like, you know, if, if you tell somebody that I'm going to make, I'm going to write a book or I'm going to do a TV show completely about the huts from Star Wars, like, I mean, you don't, you don't really, I mean, you don't it'd need George three, Lucas. It'd be a three camera sitcom with a laugh track. <laughs> but you don't need george lucas's approval you don't need it now you don't need it now but you might have needed it before but still it could have been it could have stood alone and people would have eaten it up because it's like they want to they want more of that universe i think that's what it turns into is like once pop culture and once um storytelling has created a big enough universe that enough people try to come into that universe um you know it becomes it becomes acceptable for like other you know points of medium whether it's Video games, you know, they make a like a bounty hunter uh, Boba Fett video game, or they make a Lord of the Rings, um, uh, the, you know, the movies Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of Mordor, <laughs> you know, or um, you know, uh, what's uh, like the TV shows, you know, like a lot of the comic book TV shows are starting to spawn off. Um, you know, back in the day, that was all they did with comic books is they were very sketchy about making big blockbuster comic book movies they would they would fire up tv shows you know you had the the old old school flash and stuff like that yeah i well and then so like to, to i guess um i guess i'm just trying to understand like i think it's more and you say fan base which i think is, is part of it but i think part of it also is the medium like um so if, if you're into video games and have like an idea of like what's coming and, and what you expect like um uh hideo kojima is is metal gear that's hands down. That's it. He's the guy behind metal gear. And he's always had like this weird vision of what's going to happen next to snake. And it's always some twisted 16 hour cutscene thing, but whatever it's there. Yeah. And I know with this new one coming, um, the phantom pain, like it's supposedly going to be the last, which they've said that the last four times, but <laughs> I guess the, the relationship between, uh, Kojima and Sony is, is uh, eroding right now. And they're just trying to just get to the finish line with this one. So with Sony, saying, hey, you know, we, we own Metal Gear and we're going to now make, you know, like uh, Metal Gear Jr. or whatever would come next. Like, um, do you think the fan base, I, I guess with video games, it's a little different, but it's like the, this is one of those few franchises that there is a, a, a identifiable face to it. So do you think people would be trusting of a, a produced Metal Gear game without his association with it? Mm. You know, that'd just be like... Um, I think your hardcore fans know, but it, depend on, it depends on who's... It depends on what they do with it, because I mean, there comes a point when you know uh, studios and producers pull things away from creators uh, violently and and very you know uh, unexpectedly, and a lot of times, I mean, with the internet nowadays, that becomes more apparent than it used to. Yeah. Um, and I think like a lot of times when they do that, if it's if it's if it's if it's enough of a property where people, um respect the person that created it um community is an excellent example of this then they will pick up their pitchforks and they will be pissed at whoever did it well i think community is an interesting example because like um so if people aren't aware of community which just wrapped at sixth season which i think it's done i think uh there's yep. no there's no movie coming keep hitting hashtag in a movie though. yeah there's it, yeah. Ah, come on there's got to be a movie there has to be a movie um for a show that like barely uh, was renewed like every year after its second season. It limped along. Yeah. Um, and it but, made no sense why it limped along. That, it's, it's, that show was amazing. I know. I, got, I convinced Joe to finally watch it. And it's like, I it got took me a board. long time. But like when yeah. I did, it was just like, I can't stop watching yeah. this. Like so, my eyes hurt. <laughs> like <laughs> Har Dan Harmon had such a creative vision for what he wanted to do. It was like a very much a deconstruction of what a sitcom could be. 
uh, when I use, I don't even like using the word sitcom for that. I don't like, think no, it's, it's just, not a sitcom. It's a comedy. It's a comedy, it's, but it's like it always. A lot of it was genre breaking. Like he would do a lot of like like winks and nods, but like really nuanced winks and nods to a lot of things. And I was it was always endearing to me when I watched it. But so season three got renewed for season four, but then ABC's like, nope, Harmon, you're out. Yeah, and they 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 kicked him out, and they made a season four without him. There were still writers on the show that had worked with Harmon, um, even like Dean, Dean Pelton, um, forget his name Jim right now, Rash. Jim Rash, you know, Oscar winning Jim Rash wrote and directed a couple episodes. Um, I know he at least wrote one in season four, the, the twin switching or the freaky Friday one. That was actually a really good episode. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was like a couple here and there, but man, that fourth season felt wonky and weird. Yeah. And then I think basically NBC was like, we're on the cusp of just enough episodes to have syndication, let's at least like make it make sense. And I think that's why they brought him back for uh, season five. And, and then Yahoo had it for season six, but like the show perked right back up again. Season six. I only watched like three or four episodes of season six. Cause I'm lazy like that, but they were spot on. Like I was back in Greendale having a great time. Yeah. Like, I need to get back to it. I think I'm going to binge watch all of season six one day and yeah, just kind of like eat it up. So I, I think that's an interesting thing. So that's not Dan Harmon. Like, you know, I, you know, being forcibly like put down, it sounds like he went to, (laughs) he went to a pound. It's like, sorry, Harmon, you're done. Um, (laughs) Taking Dan Harmon to the farm. Yeah. It's like, you got rabid, you you bit Abed, you're done. Um, So there was more something where he got, you know, booted off his own project, his his own created show. And then they brought him back. And I think that's a little different than, I mean, I I just, I don't know. It's like, it's this idea of, um, like I, I, and I, I, I talked to Joe about this a little before the show about the idea of music. I know we're not going to get too much into music, but it's still creativity, like stand-up com- comedy. There's all these other notions of like here are these creative forms of media and expression that um, when you have a solo individual person doing it, and if something happens where they can't complete it, and someone tries to pick up the reins from that, there is like almost a hollow, like you can't, like you know, don't don't step on their grave like that. Versus like an ensemble, which is like a movie or a TV show. And I just wonder, and I know you said fan base, it's just, but I also wonder if there's a certain like intimate connection, if it's a one-on-one thing where like, um, like I, I did use the example, Let, let's say that like someone comes along and says, you know what, we're going to make Led Zeppelin five. And it's like, okay, um, but we're not going to have any of the original people in it, but we've all loved Led Zeppelin so much that we know exactly like what riffs, what drum beats, and we're going to just quote Lord of the Rings the entire time. It's going to be the greatest album ever made, yeah. and it's going to sound like Zeppelin. Someone, someone's like, well, the four guys aren't involved, so why would I want to listen to that? Well, I think that that, that kind of crosses that line between um, create, creator and 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 like like the market the money behind it like somebody taking a property and what they own and who has the rights to it versus somebody who has the rights to it or doesn't have the right to it that that kind of like worked on it and bled into it and you know is like this is me you know so you know instead of slapping slapping a name on something kind of like how we talked about when we did the shadow of mordor review it was like hey we you know warner brothers games we we've been working on a game but we don't really have um uh you know, a name for this yet. And we're like, well, let's just make it Lord of the Rings. It's like, yeah. we own that property, slap it on there. I'm like, that yeah. has nothing to do with Tolkien being creative. You know, that's just somebody using the Lord of the Rings vehicle to sell a video game where you have like the, you know, the unfinished works that he had. That's actual Tolkien stuff. Yeah. I, and I think it's just, it's just interesting that there's certain media that we, 
uh, as like fans or they hate to use the word nerds, like like things that we really get excited and animated about. There's a lot of things that if creative, if there's different creative people involved, we get excited for that or we don't. Um, like like a, a perfect example coming up is Ant Man. Um, Edgar Wright, I love Edgar Wright. I, I, every Edgar Wright movie has been awesome. I've loved all of them. And I when I when he finally got Ant Man going, I was like, this is going to be a, like awesome. And I'm still excited for Ant Man actually because mm-hmm. it feels like Marvel still kind of got like most of it what they wanted. But it just that would have been a really interesting situation because I know he wanted to make a heist film, not necessarily a superhero movie, but a heist film. And it's like that's a cool take on it. And whenever he was, um, when they parted ways, I should say, that really bummed me out because I was really looking forward to that director. And there's a lot of superhero movies where uh, I think people, the average movie-going audience, I don't think they care who's behind the camera, you know, but... but I think unless it gets hyped, they don't care who's behind the camera. Like Josh Whedon, even Josh Whedon, when, when he, he did Avengers 1 and 2 and he walked away after Avengers 2, he started just kind of lighting fires like... Oh well, here's what else that kind of butted heads with them about because he's not in, you know, he's not in the MCU director's chair anymore, and he doesn't have to worry about playing like you know, like ball in a sense with them. And he's like, yeah, they fought with me on this, and they fought with me on that. So yeah, so um, I yeah, I think this is an interesting discussion. I know there, there's some other like we talked about family legacies too. I know like the the couple that we mentioned before like Tolkien and and the one of the ones I wanted to mention just because it, it is a big one that um I don't want to gloss over is um Brian Henson taking over for for his dad for Jim mm-hmm. Henson and like the whole Jim Henson cre- creature shop and all that like that went on to be really big and then I know um Disney eventually bought it and like that's always going to be a thing now but I'm pretty sure Brian Henson's still the voice of Kermit and, I think I think you're right yeah and it's like it's or, not, it, well, it, I think he's Kermit um, because I know that was a big deal for him to Frank, take over. Frank Oz. Uh, Frank Oz was Miss Piggy. Frank Oz is still kicking around. Yeah, he's still around. Yeah, and he did. Um, okay. Oh, what was it? I don't th- but I don't think he did any of the voices for the the two new Muppets movies that came out. I think they didn't ask him to be part no, of that. No, well, I know the one new Muppet is completely spawned from uh, Jason Segel. Oh yeah, because he's. I didn't know he was a huge Muppet fan. Yeah, like um, they like enough so that when he was in the one Muppet movie, they made a Muppet. For him, <laughs> it's you know I, I now realize that's my goal in life is that success, fame. Yeah, if I could have a Muppet, made, I think I think that's I'd actually good. a big deal. I think like, that'd be a huge deal. Like if Jason Segel gets put in a Marvel movie and makes billions of dollars, it will not. In my not at least in my opinion, I love Marvel movies. If you they made a Muppet for you, that's, that's yeah. A big it's deal. like Paul, you're president of the moon. It's like that's cool. Is there a Muppet after me? No. Well, I guess no. my my legacy is not sealed. Did, that's did they it. decide no, to make a Muppet for you? No. no. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like, but Brian Henson, he carried the torch for his dad, and it's like, and I think that's a good way to continue it because even though we always wonder what would have been with Henson, because again, he also was gone too soon a lot of what came after it's like, you can see that heart and that, that charm and that humor and mm-hmm. that wonder. I think that's really the wonder is like, that's yeah. the big thing. And yeah, I'm pretty excited for the Muppets show to come back. It comes back in September. Yes. That looks like it's going to be yeah. pretty funny actually. So I remember watching that when I was a kid, like that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, and then like, I guess like, um, yeah, is there any other properties out there, people? Anything else that you find interesting? Like we were going to touch on the Walking Dead, but I mean, like Kirkman is still kind of there for yeah, all Kirkman's of it. Yeah, Kirkman's there, but like, um, I mean, this goes into us talking about when we hear people like how you were excited about Edgar Wright, like when Frank Darabont grabbed Walking Dead and was like, "I'm making a TV show about this." I remember when you and I were we still, were both really excited about that. Still 
working together, um, it was like because we were we had read Walking Dead, and then like we were just like head over heels with Frank Darabont for his movies, and I was just like, this is going to be the greatest love child ever. <laughs> it's a TV show about one of my favorite graphic novels and one of my favorite directors, and then like halfway through the first season. AMC is just like you got to go, Darren Bond, and it, it just turned into this big falling out, and you know the, it became issues with Darren Bond wanting to do it a certain way, and then AMC was like, no, you need to do it this way for budget reasons. Stop having so many zombies. <laughs> stop showing things outside. We just yeah. Need, yeah. Stop, stop showing things. Yeah, I know one of the memos was you know. You don't have to show a zombie every episode. Yeah, that was one of the memos. Like, let's just use some sounds. And they were they said they were like we need to have we need to need to stop spending the budget on like overhead uh landscape scenes. We need to do like inside the studio, inside buildings. We need to film it tighter so it's cheaper. And Darren Bond's like, "No, you can't do that." And like I mean, this guy's made a lot of great movies, a lot of Stephen King adapted movies too. Yeah. So then I, I just realized so I was thinking about that because like Telltale has done some really awesome Walking Dead games, and like the, there's ways to expand that universe without necessarily going through the comic. But so I guess that's also another thing too, is in terms of like a legacy and 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 a concept. I think people are more offended if you try to pick up the reins of where someone once was as opposed to like saddling up alongside where they were and heading off on a little different direction, but trying to keep, mm-hmm. keep the, the, the core content, like, you know, the, what, what makes it work together, you know? And I think maybe more people are more accepting of that. Yeah. I think like with what you're saying there, I, th- I think it's like the universe expansion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think walking dead's a great example with the spinoff TV show they're trying to do. And then the Telltale games. I remember I didn't finish the second Telltale game, but the it's first sad. spoiler the first alert. one's sad. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to throw. Oh, you don't need to spoiler no, alert no. that. It's it's sad. Spoiler, spoiler alert. It's a gut punch. Uh, People that you like aren't going to be around at the end. How about that? Um, All that you love will be taken away from you. <laughs> Horribly and sad. I was and horribly. <laughs> why do I play this game? Yeah, it's so well written and I'm weeping blood. I don't know why. Uh, oh crap, I have to press X. Um <laughs> I'm just going to turn off the Xbox right now. And everybody lives, right? <laughs> They're still alive. No, but the games they expanded on the universe. Like the, I remember the first game, like Herschel, Glenn, they kind of trickle into the storyline. But it, the rest of the universe is happening during Walking Dead and it's completely different characters. Hmm. And it gives you that feel that you want, but it's not like I'm following Rick and Michonne around and Abraham and all these other characters that I know. It's introducing you to new characters. So it's using that universe, and I think that's what uh, Marvel Disney's doing with Star Wars is they are going to have Abrams be like, check it out. You remember these old people? Well, we're going new Star Wars universe, and they're going to help you usher into it. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, that ultimately, and I would like people to, to chime in on this with like you know either like the Facebook or um, you know like email would be because it's like email is kind of like long Twitter, and only we read it. So you guys could certainly try that uh, if there is properties that you you hold near and dear that you either a feel like if someone was to touch it, you'd cut that person or yeah. B like you are like, you know, I want more of this and I would be excited. And I'll also like as, as a fan, is it also our responsibility to not hold, um, hold that in such high expectation where like, um, like this, I guess this will go back to my whole music bit again, or even stand up comedy. That's such a one-on-one relationship where, um, like I will always feel a certain way about music versus the way you do. And, yeah. and movies, I mean, yeah, it's the same way too, but 
it's kind of like that's a shared experience and and that's i mean it's one-on-one a little bit but you know you can't be like i mean i guess some people are like yeah did you hear that one guitar part that was amazing it's more like did you see that one dinosaur part that was amazing and it's just maybe because like it's how personal you make it then you feel really guarded and feel like somebody else shouldn't go touching that so i don't i'd i it's some Maybe I maybe I'm not as deep as I think I am, but no, I, no, I thought no, that was an interesting I, uh, like idea. I so. know one person who would definitely uh, chime in about Ghostbusters. So <laughs> I hope that I hope we get I hope I, we can get some discussions no, going the, somewhere. Like if you wanna if you wanna join in and like on Twitter too and just tweet at all these other people and just be like, Hey, Joe and Paul are talking about this. What do you think? You know, yeah, that we'll, would be that would we'll be wrangle cool. into conversations. Absolutely. Um so, and like, you know, going, going hand in hand with, you said that, like, um, you know, I was talking to one of my friends today about Miles Morales becoming Spider-Man and like what it means to, you know, generations and keep stories going and innovating new stories. Granted, it, it, originality is, is getting kind of like overlooked left and right nowadays. Yeah. But at the same time, like these universes and these properties that we love, some people are just kind of like using them to make a cheap buck but some people are actually fans that want to write stories for these universes that they love and they know other people love so mm-hmm. that's kind of like an innovation in itself for uh any type of like book comic movie video game that's true so um i i think um i think we uh, we had a really good discussion about that yeah yes we got really in-depth and deep about things and 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 ponderous i, I don't know so let's let's move on to something that's uh that is long overdue. Um, it's been 40 years in the making. Um, we wanted to briefly, um, not briefly, he deserves some time in the sun. Well, maybe like the water line, but not the, be- the sun. The, not yeah, like the actual. Part, he, part of him not can beached, be in not the sun. Not like a beach. Yeah, so thing. like that little triangle part top of him. So uh, June 20th, um, like the, yeah, the, the triangle bit, you know. <laughs> the dorsal fit. Yeah, know the, the dorsal fit. <laughs> I don't know, the, the shark bit. Um, so, you know, the, the shark thing on him. Uh, Jaws turned 40 as of June 20th, 1940. 40-year-old yeah. great white shark. Came out June 20th, 1975. Um, I, this is one of the few times I'd be like, oh, before I was born. That's, that's one of the few times I can use that now for a lot of the stuff. Um, and it was, at the time, rated, and a lot of people hold it up as like one of the scariest movies of all yeah. time. If you look at it, it's funny. When people talk about scary movies, Jaws never pops in my head. I did see Jaws. It didn't scare me. Like, I thought it was suspenseful, but it wasn't scary. But it always makes number one or number two on the top list of scary movies. And it's a suspenseful, big shark, PG-rated movie that Spielberg directed. Yes. So, um, in honor of of his uh, 40th birthday, we decided that we were going to hold a birthday party for, for Jaws. Happy birthday, and, Jaws. Yes. Bruce. And, I'm sorry, Bruce. And we're going to bring him in now. If a lot of you don't know, but Jaws's actual name is Bruce. If you think we're making that up, go Google it. Yeah, it's it's Bruce um, T. Jawsington. I don't know. Yeah, he had, when, he, when he moved to Hollywood, he changed it a little bit. So his name gonna, is Bruce. Though. His name is Bruce. So we're gonna bring him in, and we're gonna celebrate. Oh wait, what's this? We're gonna bring a little little funky disco beat. Well, it's birthday music. It's, it's birthday party music. music. Yeah. We can't, we can't. Where did these seagulls come from? By the way. I don't know. I mean, we I are, like, we, we are I specifically so. said no seagulls. They're going to crap on our equipment. Like, the shark is fine. We paid a lot of money for the tank. Yes. So, but the seagulls. This is so we, happy sounding. We just got all that Dilophosaurus spit all <laughs> off everything. I, we just, uh, you know, I guess we just like animal excretions. That's, that sounds bad. That does sound bad. So, why? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So, we're going we're gonna to bring Bruce in now, and, and we decided that... 
we also asked our, our listeners to uh, what would be great presents for Bruce, and we're going to give him a couple right now. So, um, where do we want to start giving? A- um, well, hold on. I've got a I got a present here. I mean, I'm gonna kind of try and hand it to him. And by try to hand it to you're him, you're I mean it to him? not Universal Studios. Stick my arm in the water and lose it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, this is from Doctor Evil. Doctor Evil got Bruce a birthday present. Um, I don't know what it could be, but I will help him with it. Hold on. Yeah. What did we say last time or two weeks ago? Spared no expense. So what do we got here? Oh, it's uh, it's like a it's a laser. It's a head head mounted laser beam. It's a laser beam for his head. Oh, that's original, Doctor Evil. Yeah, well, hey, you know. So, Doctor Evil, here you go, Bruce. I'm gonna put this by the rest. I'm gonna put this by your bucket of chum. And, and you're gonna put it by all the all the cards that we got, which is like five dollars from all the grandmas. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, I got something. This was uh this was from Katy Perry, because you know she is a big uh, Jaws fan. Like, because we talk all the time. So, what what do we got? It, I don't even know why she wrapped this. But I, like, listen to is that. Is it candy? It's candy. No, it's not candy. Yeah, it's it's the it's that cupcake brassiere that she wore. <laughs> no, because uh, you know uh, Bruce is a Katy Perry fan. No, she got him left sharks autograph. From oh, Super Bowl. that's cool. Yeah, that you know, guy's that guy's gonna be up there someday. In what like like thirty nine years, we're gonna be doing a podcast about left, left sharks fortieth. He's gonna be up there party. with the Toronto Raptors mascot that was falling down on on the court. So I think that'd yeah. be pretty great. So um, uh, what else do we have for Bruce? He seems to be pretty happy though. His his cold dead non responsive eyes. I can't read it. Hold on. Let's. Well, who's this? The this is kind of like a, I don't know what this. Nobody put their name on this one. Hold on. Okay. That's the one I was going to sneak my name on later and be like, oh, I got you something. It's a license plate. Oh. That's weird. Like for, do we know for who? Or I don't know. It, it's, does it say, like, you know, come visit Amity Island? And, you know, know, like, okay. I don't know why. Oh, is it Roy Shredder's license, license plate? Is that what happened Roy to him? Shredder. Oh, what was that? Uh, didn't they? You oh he eats these things yes oh okay so that makes sense there you go that's that's another one maybe they knew that Bruce is doing the fifty states game and he just needs a couple more <laughs> he needs like Idaho and like in like Nevada because that's tough to get to if you're a shark yeah. I would imagine so I mean maybe not Nevada I mean you go to Vegas I'm sure sharks can go to Vegas right so yeah they have a lake um, there all right so uh, this next one uh, is from uh, it's it's from Richard Dreyfus. Because, you know, he stopped by because he's, you know, he's done with, with acting. I don't know what he's doing now. He seems angry a lot lately. He, he, was in, he was in Piranha. That's the last time I saw him. Dressed up exactly like his, uh, his uh, character, uh, Hooper, uh, from, uh, from Jaws. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah. Maybe he's it, working on his opus. It, actually, yeah. <laughs> his, his, his magnum opus. But he brought to Bruce his own Richard Dreyfus VHS collection. Oh, that'll be so. Nice. It's like it's it's, really, it's six copies of What About Bob. That's a good. That's a good idea because I don't think Bruce has a DVD player. I know he still has a VHS from a few years ago. Yeah, I think he has the laser disc of his own movie. So yeah. yeah. All right. Um, this is actually from somebody on our Facebook. Got this form. And uh, this in, in our list of presents, I uh, I had some other ones listed, so I um, I think I. I think I didn't bring that one over. I think I still there's a couple here that I, I left off, but I can remember them. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Right. Um, so this is a a riff tracks of Sharknado. There we go. Which 
I don't know. I've not watched Sharknado with Bruce. I don't know how he feels about it, but now he gets to watch it. Yeah, I'm going to say that's from 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 Matt A because he uh, he suggested something that may not be uh, workplace appropriate to to offer to Bruce. So we decided to be like, you know what, Bruce deserves a riff tracks. I think that's a good idea. So because and plus also we we don't like Sharknado. So this next one, um, I, I don't know how beneficial this would be for. A shark. I like how I already know what's in the presents before I'm opening them, but whatever. Did you peek? You're I that, peaked, you're that kid at Christmas. Yeah, like if you can look. Were you, were yeah. you going through Bruce's presents and then you just like retaped them together? I mean, if there was any good ones, I was going to be like, you know, I could use that. You yeah. know, so this one is from, from, from Mary T and it is a pair of dentures. Oh, yeah, she's getting up there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could kind of you can get those just about anywhere over in like, you know, souvenir places. So. <laughs> yeah, just hit up any type of gift shop along the coast. I'm sure you can get, get plenty of teeth. Okay, so I'm going to put those over there. So um, what else? we got a couple more here. Uh, uh, let me see. Hand me one. Or I can't see it. Let me see if I can move the, the device that has our presence and our lists and our recording. <laughs> can you see what that present is? Yeah. Yeah, that was not fun. Hold on, I can't see. I mean, they're all fun. It's for Bruce. Oh, I see one. Okay. Yeah. This one's kind of small. Okay. And by fun, I mean someone may have gotten him socks. And what were you going to do for socks with the shark? Sharks can wear socks, can't they? I maybe well, on their fins. All right, so this is kind of like this looks like jewelry. This is weird. I don't know if he likes jewelry. Oh, it looks like it's a half of a. Is it a friendship bracelet or a forever bracelet? I think it's a forever bracelet. I think it's more than friendship. I don't know. This is big enough to fit on his fin. It's from Aquaman. Yeah. I, that, so what, uh, well, Bruce, does that mean Aquaman has the other half? Yeah. I, Bruce is looking away. I don't know. Like I don't. He think won't he make to. eye contact with no, me. I'm know. just gonna put this down. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I don't know what happened there. Um, yeah. I, I you know he's. Pro- I think wait. I think he's. T- I think he's telling. He's spe- spelling it out with the fins. He just says Aquaman is too controlling. I'm like, well, he does command fish. Yeah. So I don't know that uh, I can read shark sign language, which is like fin 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 dorsal 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 fin fin fin. I, Anyway, so yeah, I know you're all wondering, like, how do they talk into a great white shark? Like, <laughs> yeah. I can. I, he well, he spends most of his time typing. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So we got a couple more here. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, this one is from a fellow shark, not as well known shark, but I guess they've been they're chums. Is that? Oh, that's a pun. I didn't yeah, that was. A, <laughs> I didn't realize they're chums. That was a pun. They're chums. This is from Jabberjaws. You know, Jabber 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 Jaws, and it is an unopened. Neptune CD that he's tried giving Jaws for the past 30 years that still remains unopened. That's that's real soggy, too. Yeah, it's, it's like, no, it, just, it actually isn't even a CD. It's an A-track. Let's just be honest. Probably when I think the Neptunes were out. So um, then uh, we got a, just a few more here. Uh, hold on. This one. Oh, this one is from, I guess you could say, his dad. I don't know. Steven Spielberg gave <laughs> Jaws a present. He did. So... These Number were, one at the box office. These were all FedExed. We invited every one of these people here, and all they did was just send these presents. <laughs> the only one that actually said he'd show up was Robert Shaw, but he didn't quite make it. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> Spielberg is not good at wrapping things. And Roy Schreider said he'd bring Jonathan Brandis. I don't believe either one of them showing up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> You know, you know what? Teen, like, I, teen I, feel, I feel so bad that I, I was like speaking so like wonderful of those we've lost recently, but then and I just go and stick the dagger in Jonathan Brandis. And like, now what we're is like, like Jonathan yeah. Brandis? Yeah, yeah. You dressed up like a girl. 
He was in that Chuck Norris movie, wasn't he? Sidekicks. Sidekicks, yeah. yeah Sidekicks and Ladybugs. He was oh. like, it was all a hit. Ladybugs, yes. With Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield. Dangerfield. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> this, this is a single. Uh, what does that say? This is from uh, the, from Spielberg. What is oh, from? Oh, this is so with um, with uh, Bruce being born here, uh, June twentieth, nineteen seventy five. He Spielberg brought a forty five of the song that was number one the day that Bruce was born, and it is "Love Will Keep Us Together" by Captain Tennille. Oh well, that's nice. It's kind of yeah. nostalgic. I know. I think Bruce likes to listen to music. Yeah, I mean, he he, he likes John Williams. We know mm. that and cello. And cello. <laughs> he listens to a lot of cello. Everybody laughs. They're like, oh, that's the Jaws theme song. I'm like, you know, that's not even his favorite cello song. <laughs> You're right. You know, I don't know enough about cello. He tells he talks to me about it. Like his fin's going. And I'm like, you're just making a mess. I don't know. You know what you're saying. You're a shark. Eat this. <laughs> so, okay. So we got two more. Uh, these are kind of, this is like kind of a twofer. Um, I man, I don't even know how I'm opening this one. It's 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 quite a large one. This one is from uh, so it's from Devin T, and he writes that uh, he wanted to get Jaws a bigger boat, and I think that's appropriate because he would need a bigger boat. I don't know what size boat Jaws had to be. I with. I don't know. Um, and then the other one, this one, this one's actually from Quint uh, Robert Shaw. He could not be here in person because, um, well, frankly, he's dead, so he could not be here. But he he wanted to make sure that Jaws got three. Yellow barrels. Oh, that's nice. I don't know. Like that's like that's what it took to try to bring him out of the water and suffocate him, right? So that seems like that's a that's kind of a mean present, you know, to be like I'm going to harpoon you with three barrels. Maybe it's like a maybe he's trying to kill kill Bruce to get him in the afterlife, like a crazy ghost Moby Dick. Yeah, <laughs> crazy ghost Moby Dick is going to be like the next sound. Jaws, Jaws six, Jaws six. Crazy, crazy ghost m- Moby, Moby Dick. Dick. Yeah. Versus Jaws. Versus Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> ghost Shark. <laughs> That's actually a movie, unfortunately. Yeah, we're making yeah. Ghost Shark. No, it's go, getting kick-started ghost, tonight. Ghost Shark's an actual movie. No! Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Anyway. so We're making um, Ghost Shark, too. <laughs> ghost Shark as ghost well. Ghost Sharker. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, Bruce, uh, we appreciate you stopping by. Um, I want to I want to take you up to Lake Erie and send you hurling over top of me like Free Willy into... A freshwater lake. I think you'll be okay. He sh- uh, no, no, he, he won't. will not be okay in a freshwater <laughs> we'll, lake. We'll, I'll I'll pack you some salt water. You could just kind of that's just very just nice. sample a little bit. As we'll you go. get we'll get you some some salt and um, we'll put all your presents. Actually, like you know we're going to take him to the Cleveland Aquarium. We're going to take him down to the powerhouse that's and just idea. and we'll put him there. And then uh, we'll invite Louis Gossett Jr. to show up. And then we'll recreate and Randy Quaid. Mm-hmm. And we'll just recreate uh, Dennis Quaid. Sorry, we'll just recreate Jaws 3D. And live, that's what will happen. We should just take them up to Edgewater because they're having Edgewater live this Thursday. Oh, you know, Bruce and, likes people. He's a people person. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I guess he really does like people. I'm sorry if there are any kids listening to this. They're going to Edgewater live. We're not really taking a great white shark there, but don't go in the water. <laughs> All right. So thank you, Bruce, for stopping by. Have may you have another forty years. I don't know how sharks how long sharks live, but I'm sure that you're going to outlive the rest. All of us. So. Yeah, sharks are pretty old. They are, aren't they? I don't know how old they live to be. No, I don't know. They're actual. They're tenacious. They outlive dinosaurs. <laughs> it's true. So, all right, that's going to do it for us now. Um, this was a lot of fun with with Bruce. Thank you for stopping by. Thanks. Thank you. Um, and uh, next week, I'm sure we're going to have plenty to talk about because Terminator Genesis. Terminators yeah. next week. Um, I'm probably going to go. Yeah, it comes out the first. I'll probably see it before we do the cast. So I'm going to try. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to. So we'll, we'll like, and if I don't, I'm going to join that lady in Australia, and I'm going to time travel. 
and I'm going to go see it anyway. Somehow, it's going to be pretty amazing. So um, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, have have fun, and, and yeah, it's, definitely don't go to Edgewater, but you should go to Edgewater. Yeah, if you go in Edgewater, don't go in the water. 